This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. On this Thursday, November 3rd, we welcome you to Real Talk. It's uh, Ryan Jesperson, John Hicks with me this morning. Lucky to have him, the technical producer of this show, in just a moment or two. The uh, former campaign manager and senior strategist for former United Conservative Party leadership uh, contender, Leela Ahir. Leela, a longtime MLA, even a former government minister, you'll remember. She lost her post when she was critical of then-Premier Jason Kenney. She was booted out of cabinet. And then uh, the only leadership candidate out of the whole docket not named to Premier Daniel Smith's new cabinet, uh, which is an interesting one, isn't it? Now, it could be because Leela and Premier Smith had a conversation and Leela said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a, a hostile takeover of my Southern Alberta riding right now, which has since happened. The board taken over. There's turnover there. The, the grassroots have spoken, or at least a portion of those grassroots have organized in that riding. Potentially, Leela said, I'm not going to seek re-election, so it's, it's not worth putting me in your cabinet. Don't worry about it. Or it may have been something different. Uh, Leela and uh, Premier Smith, uh, typically I would say Leela and Danielle, but it feels weird to be calling the Premier Danielle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leela's a personal friend. Madam uh, Premier uh, is uh, the uh, new, yeah. You know, like you're sort of like, I'm yeah, going to keep calling her Premier Smith instead of Danielle. But but let me say once, Leela and Danielle go way back, like, like 10 years back, uh, early Wild Rose Party days. Uh, Danielle added uh, Premier Smith now uh, added uh, quite a bit longer than Leela here, but both of them have their roots in that party that, of course, uh, was part of what formed the United Conservatives. And so maybe there's something else there. We don't know. Uh, what we do know is that Ms. Ahir, that Leela's taking some time out of the spotlight right now. She's she's uh, lost the leadership race, you know, along with four other people that so-called lost the leadership race. Uh, she's announced that she won't seek re-election, and she's taken some time to herself. Of course, we have an interview request in with Leela here, and we really look forward to a chance to speak with her. But in the meantime, her, as mentioned, former senior strategist uh, of Olson Biggs Public Affairs, Sarah Biggs, who knows a thing or two about political organizing, about political strategy, well, she's going to join us and go on the record with her side of the story. Not speaking for Leela, obviously, but Sarah can give us her take on, uh, you know, what she saw through that campaign and what she sees with regards uh, to Alberta's Conservative Party. Now, uh, you know, does anybody on Twitter follow Planet Janet YYC? You probably do, right? If you care about politics in Western Canada, it's quite likely that you follow Janet Brown. She's She is, I don't want to say she's the pollster in Alberta, but my friends, she's the pollster in Alberta. She is. I mean, there's a lot of capable pollsters. Uh, there's a lot of reputable pollsters, but Janet Brown uh, typically uh, hits the nail on the head. And, and, and she's got some new numbers out today, a poll commissioned by the CBC. Uh, but we can still take a look at it, John. We just let the CBC pay for it, which is great. And then we'll use the numbers <laughs> and then we'll talk about it here on our independent podcast. How's that? But a shout out to the CBC. This is their poll. And uh, it, it shows a tough road ahead for Premier Danielle Smith. Problems that she inherited, challenges that she inherited. Uh, like the, the average Albertan's perception of how the government managed uh, not just the COVID crisis, but how the government is currently managing strains on the healthcare system. Is it fair to place that all at the feet of Danielle Smith three weeks in? No. 
Or what about how the government's doing on job creation? Does it make sense to put that at the feet of the current premier? No. I'm not saying this as an apologist for Danielle Smith. I'm saying this as a note to people that would be critical of her and her government. That's not what you want to hit her on because she can easily say, I've been here for three weeks. You got to give me a chance to settle in. I'm still getting to know caucus. I mean, this cabinet's still getting a feel for the, the new portfolios that some of them have, the new job assignments that some of them have. But here's what makes this especially interesting. Not only does the poll show that Albertans, generally speaking, and we'll get into some of these numbers with Sarah, some of uh, these files Albertans believe that the government's dropping the ball on, but there's also a real likability and popularity problem with Danielle Smith. And that is something that people will lay at her feet. That's something that her and her team will have to address. Uh, Like Rachel Notley, generally speaking, scores about a 40 on the likability scale, like about 40% of people polled said, yeah, they like Rachel Notley. She's likable. About less than half of that for Danielle Smith, around 18%, like one in five, right? So that's something that her team's going to go, okay, what do we need to do to perhaps make Danielle Smith a little bit more likable? Because this is kind of a two-headed monster. So we'll get into those numbers today. Really interesting stuff. And of course, uh, if Sarah's up for it, I want to chat with her about this Canada land story. Uh, implicating a lot of really, really high-profile Calgarians. Like, you, you, you invoke the name Cal Wenzel as an example, uh, the founder, the CEO of Shane Holmes. Uh, this is a guy that, I mean, if you Google Cal Wenzel, you'll see he's in the Alberta Business Hall of Fame. He's a philanthropist, well-known. I mean, just to give you a sense of, you know, just to drop a couple of numbers, you know, the University of Calgary Cummings School of Medicine, Cal Wenzel's donated 20 mil. Uh, this is a guy. The guy that, you know, he's got, I saw this, uh, John, for his birthday. I think it was his 70th birthday. Mm-hmm. I'm not making fun of this. Full disclosure, uh, one of my very good friends from high school is is in a long-term relationship with Cal Wenzel's son, Shane, after whom Shane Holmes is named. So this is a story that, I wouldn't say it hits close to home. I'm not around the Wenzel dinner table, but <laughs> I'm familiar with the family to a certain degree. Sure. Uh, when you start talking about people that are, that are dropping 20 mil in donations, that's one of their philanthropic outreach. Reaches, right to the mm-hmm. University of Calgary School of Medicine. That's a that's another level, the next level. That's not jump change. The family, I think it was his seventieth birthday. They gave him a bench. I think it's down in in, in New York City or something like that. It says uh, it says uh, if you have money and you don't spend it, you might as well be broke. Mm-hmm. That's one of his quotes, and that's what drives his philanthropy. So this is a guy that's that's had a lot of accolades. He's had a lot of respect uh, in Calgary, but it's also been very well known that he cannot stand. Calgary, former Calgary mayor and head Nenshi, like cannot stand him. Okay. If you Google this, you'll see this goes way back with those two. And there's big issues around Wenzel made his money, as mentioned, in Calgary's real estate development. Mm -hmm. You know, thousands of Calgarians will have had their homes built by Cal Wenzel or by his group of companies, including Shane Holmes. So so the story is interesting. And it's not just about him, but this David Wallace guy, this so-called fixer, And this is one of the weird things. I'm having a really hard time wrapping my mind around this. How good are you as a fixer if your picture and your name is always on the front page of the newspaper talking about the things that you were supposed to be fixing? (laughs) You're not a very good fixer. No. You know know the names of the best fixers out there? You don't know them. Exactly. (laughs) The really good fixers, we have no idea who they are. But we know David Wallace and Canada Land deserves the credit for this reporting that shows that there was a scheme. There was a scheme that was cooked up. And this group of Calgary conservatives, and you know, I'm not, and I'm not talking like your average, ordinary, regular conservatives. Like, oh, the guy next door, nice guy. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he mows my lawn in the summer when I'm away on vacation. Yeah, and he votes conservative. No. 
talking about the ones uh, that are going to all the developers and their deep pocketed, you know, friends. I almost said dark money, but I don't, you know, it's not dark money. Well, some of it might be, but these are people that are prominent business leaders in Calgary. They're all being dragged into this right now. DMs are being released. Right? I mean, like this is really interesting stuff. Some people are saying, well, I didn't have much to do with it. And so then they're trying to provide their comms, their private screen captured comms to show how little they had to do with it. But like a lot of these people don't appear to be all that smart because what they're disclosing and what they're sharing shows that they actually are quite involved with this plot to try to offer the former mayor at the time he was the mayor what was perceived to be or presented as Russian money. They were trying to, they were trying to influence Nenshi and get him to take a bribe so that they could bring him down. And it turns out that as their correspondence shows that Nenshi didn't want a dime, which for the big Nenshi supporters, will be like, hell yeah, our boy Nenshi. A Rupal. You know? That's what I think you... <laughs> and and for, a, for a lot of others, you know, some people are going to be going, well, it's a good thing I wasn't in that position because if somebody came up to me at my job offering me a bag full of cash, I probably would take it. It's hard when you think about it, eh? Isn't it? So Nenshi's commented on this, and he, he's basically said, like, I'm disappointed to hear about this plot to, to, you know, sort of like try to disgrace me and my legacy and yada, yada. And anyone familiar with the story, I mean, you can just go take a look at his Twitter timeline for his comments on this. But this is this is an explosive political story. Mm -hmm. The only thing is it's kind of cooked up by and starring buffoons like people that just made mistake after mistake after mistake. It's almost comical, except for it's not. There's really nothing funny about it. And it involves some of the usual suspects like these names that I don't even want to say on the show because it just makes them famous but like all of these, like, let me just say, like when I use the word buffoons, like I use it on purpose because these are just bumbling type morons that are doing enormous damage, as a matter of fact, to the cause that they think that they're probably driving. I mean, they're the ones that are creating the biggest credibility problems right now and the guilt by association here. Right. You look at some of the names involved with this, and this is where I start to tread lightly because some of these folks are particularly litigious. And I know that they would just for, look for any reason to try to serve us mm -hmm. now that we've got our sexy new studio. They know what building to find us in, John. We're way easier to serve now. Yeah. And so we got to be careful with that. But these are I mean, these are common threads here. People involved in this plot to try to bring down the head Nenshi are some of the same people that have been involved or that have participated in the in the undeniably and, and appalling racist imitations of indigenous people. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Jonathan Dennis, the former solicitor. I'm not saying Jonathan's involved in the plot with Nenshi. I'm just saying that a lot of these people that are rubbing shoulders with these guys are involved in both of these stories. And it would lead the average person to question what is going on with the conservative movement, in particular in southern Alberta, in Calgary right now, and number two, who is actually calling the shots on strategy? Who is influencing whom? That's a question that we'll continue to ask on this show. And of course, we invite your input and your feedback. You can get us anytime. Talk at ryanjesperson.com. Before we get to Sarah Biggs, calling all cat lovers. I know that you have felt as cat lovers that you've been somewhat neglected by this program because we spend a lot of time talking about grand dog essentials quality raw food. 
John loves his chihuahua. I love our boxer in our lab. <laughs> However, our friends at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food in the spirit of inclusiveness <laughs> want to let you know that if you go to granddog.ca today and you check out their blog link, they've got a great new piece on building a raw diet for cats. Uh, not just how to build a raw food diet for cats, which is uh, biologically speaking, the best play for them, but also transition tips. You don't want to just do it right away. If your cat's even the tiniest bit picky, they're going to say no thanks. But cats are smart animals. Very. They'll see the benefits of going with Grand Dog Essentials quality raw cat food. You can check out the blog link at granddog.ca. And when you order your first order, deliver to your door in Calgary, Edmonton, or Central Alberta. Make sure you use the promo code REALTALK because it's going to knock 10% off that first time order. Our friends at Kubi Energy are all pretty excited right now about CEO Jake Kubiski. Why? Well, because... I'm just calling this up as we speak, John. I want to show everybody that's watching on YouTube this Instagram post. Go to Instagram.com slash Energy or search Kubi Energy on Instagram and look at this. There's their dapper founder and CEO, Jake Kubiski. He's cracked Edify Edmonton's 40 under 40 list, top 40 under 40 for 2022 for the work that he has done in advancing sustainable energy across Western Canada. His story is remarkable. You will be hearing it tomorrow on the Real Talk Roundtable featuring three of the movers and shakers from Edify's top 40 under 40 list for 2022. That's coming up tomorrow. The Real Talk Roundtable presented, of course, by our friends at Urban Timber. And when we mention Kubi Energy, we also want to mention Park Power, because if you're doing business with one, it makes sense to do business with the other. Kubi puts the solar panels up on your roof and then through the late spring and then through the summer months, your system's going to generate more energy than you probably need. So why is this relevant? Well, Park Power will buy that surplus energy back from you, and they're going to pay you more than the big guys will. They're your friendly local utilities provider. They are family-owned. You can compare rates on internet, electricity, and natural gas today. Bundle them all to save a bunch and use the promo code when you sign up. 2022-RealTalk, $70 off your first bill at parkpower.ca. Leela here will not seek re-election for the United Conservatives, and there's probably a number of factors uh, to that. Uh, she ran a strong campaign uh, among those seeking the leadership of the United Conservative Party. Ultimately, it was not her day. You know that. We've asked Leela for an interview, and we look forward to speaking with her when she's up for it. In the meantime, it's a real pleasure to welcome her senior strategist, her came campaign manager. Uh, she's a partner at Olson Biggs Public Affairs Sarah Biggs, thanks for making time for us this morning. It's nice to see your smiling face. I love those glasses. Are those new? Um, no, they're like over a year old now. Over a year old? That's nothing. I wear glasses for like 12 years until people are like, you know, styles have changed. A little bit. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm just like, uh, you're uh, obviously very politically involved and, and there's a million things. I mean, I'm opening the show talking about just a couple of stories that are blowing our collective minds over here. And I really want to yeah. get your takes on those. But first... Uh, I want to talk to you about your involvement over the past number of months on the AHIR campaign, the leadership campaign. Pick your brain a little bit on why things went the way they did. Uh, ultimately, I'm not going to ask you to speak for Leela. I want to make that clear to the audience. You're not here speaking for Leela. You're speaking for yourself. Uh, but yeah. you're, pick your brain on what you think is next for her and uh, and then the future of the United Conservative Party heading into May of 2023. How did you, how did you get involved with, with Leela's campaign in the first place? Are you a longtime uh, partner with her? No, so we, uh, I was covering the um, conservative, conservative debate in Edmonton 
um, for French CBC. And I ran to Leela and she was like, girl, your bill just passed. It was bill 17. And um, we looked at each other and we're like, okay, we should talk. Let's talk. And then we started talking like two, three hours on the phone every night. And then um, she decided to jump in. Hmm. That's, so that's how did you ran uh i mean her campaign was uh we, we've had some conversations last week from some analysts and, and strategists and you know how it goes on this show people that are that were talking about her campaign they kind of characterized it as as a somewhat of a an empathetic campaign kind of a like a, a relatively positive campaign which isn't always where yes. we see politics going these days obviously i'm sure that was intentional uh respectfully do you regret it looking at the finishing numbers well we need to remember that you know, uh, the finishing number is one thing, but what you put out there and um, how you present yourself and how you, you know, uh, in politics, very often reputation is all we have. Um, and if we can put out politics that resonates with people. So I would say that, you know, m maybe the, the mistake I did is that, you know, we, we, we put out a platform more for a general election than for a leadership contest. But there was no way, no way we would be um, adopting the tone that the, the Smith campaign adopted. You know, Lila um, and myself were very positive. Uh, we don't, you know, we, we, we try to steer clear as much as we can from anything that could be, you know, gaslighting, controversial or anything. We took some strong stances once in a while, but it's because they have to be taken. Um, but, you know, um, I would say that anger won this time. You think yeah, uh, we, you think anger is going to win in May of 2023, or, or like what do you, what do you see with regards to moving forward for for this party, the United Conservative Party? It'll be the first election, obviously, under Premier Danielle Smith. Yeah. Well, we need to remember that she won on the sixth round. She didn't win first right out the gate on the first round over 50 percent, and she got to the sixth round at 53 percent. Um, I remember that night the room was so tense. It was it was insane in there. And but um her voters are a very, very, very tiny uh her base is a very, very tiny sample of the Alberta electorate. Um, you know, we need to keep in mind that um, you know, tying it in with the the Janet Brown poll today, uh, you know, Calgary looks way worse for the ECP than what do you think to and what do you think they, they seem to think? Um, but do I, be, do I believe that the electorate, the members that got Daniel Smith there represent the majority of Albertans? No, I don't think so. And it's showing in the polls right now. We can get into some of these numbers. I know that oftentimes, especially people listening on a podcast, if you're like me, you're walking the dog or something like that, you hear a bunch of numbers, your head just starts to swirl around. So I try to use as few as possible, but still paint a picture. Yeah. Um, put it this way, when the UCP won the election in 2019 under Jason Kenney, uh, they had 55% support, typically across the province. You know, different polling, asterisks here and there, but generally speaking, 55% support. Uh, this new poll suggests that support is at 38%. Uh, so that's a drop, obviously significant one, you know, more than 15%. The opposition NDP had 32% of voters in the 2019 election, now has the support of 47% of respondents. There's a 15% bump. So that's pretty good news for the NDP. I talked about the impressions of leaders, and this is one that's significant. You know, a scale of, of, of 0 to 10, you know, not at all impressed or very impressed. How would you rate party leaders? 
as mentioned, 18% of those polled said that they're highly impressed with the premier. Almost 40, 39% said they're highly impressed with Rachel Notley. Not impressed at all, 54% with the premier, 35% with Rachel Notley. So there you go. Uh, I should also mention that they talk about other, and I'll get out of your way here, Sarah, so you can talk, but you know, another interesting one, and I feel... I don't know what I, 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 this sounds so condescending and so patronizing and I hate to put it this way, but I feel so bad for my friends and yours that are working so hard at the Alberta party because it's just not translating. That party sees about 3% support with polled Albertans right now. Uh, That's less than half of the 8% that say that they're politically orphaned. They're not even picking a party. So what do you read into all of this? Well, if you look at, you know, uh, the very impressed uh, with Daniel Smith at 18%, if you go down and you look at the healthcare numbers, uh, seeing that the government's taking the right direction and those numbers are matching. So this is not Daniel Smith base. This is that 20%. Uh, this is the take back Alberta base. You know, the 20%, we always talk um, that, you know, kind of went into a more populist type of conservatism if I may. Um, so those numbers are matching. So, but what we're seeing also is that that 20% of support is, um, they're not going to be able to expand the base. They're not going to be able, they're going to have a very, very hard time expanding her base, especially if she's coming in, you know, we still have to see the one we still have to see, but how she's treating um, caucus members as well is going to be quite interesting to see. Sarah, when did uh, you know? No, go ahead. We need to remember. No, go ahead. Well, I was just—I wanted to bring it back to Leela's campaign. When did you know yeah. that the can? When did you know the campaign was in trouble? Midway, when we got hacked, it was really—you know—it really, really made a dent. We we came in there, well, campaign in trouble. We we knew that there was an extremely strong possibility that we could not win this because you know there's Daniel Smith, Java stays, and there were those big machines behind them. Um, you know, when you walk into campaigns, you need to be realistic. Um, but, you know, our goal was to put, you know, good policy out there and really try to change the conversation. But, you know, we, we knew in August um, that, you know, we, we could not win this. Um, but there's also um, what's very difficult is the numbers that you have when you're doing IVR, you're polling or you're calling. And the numbers are reflecting into votes. Um, there was a huge dis- discrepancy on that, um, so that, that was a little bit of disappointment to see because we we could have easily gone to the second round. But you know, um, but I w- I would say that um, the AGM for her board and the hacking happening within a week. Um, that really, really, really put put an L in the campaign. Because w- when she stepped in front of that bull, was that the Pinocchio stampede? What stampede was that? That was uh, Strathmore. Strathmore stampede. Sta- that was on her home turf. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, that was like right in front of her people. And for people that don't remember the story, we talked to Leela. I think it was like the morning after that happened or something like that on the show. And she literally, I don't have the video handy. I didn't know if I was going to bring this up, but like people will remember the, a bull basically was like going to gore a guy and Leela stood yeah. in front of it and like steered it away. And people were like, what the hell? And then it was just, I was like, oh, 
if I'm her campaign manager, campaign strategist, you and I were texting, I was like, this is gold. Like, you cannot set this up. And there's so many metaphors and there's so many advertising opportunities and nobody died, which is a real positive. And I thought, like, she could, I, I mean, I'm oversimplifying a, a leadership campaign obviously, yeah. but I was like, she could ride this story all the way to the premier's office, you know? You know, we, 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 you know, we, we, we tried to write this story as much as we could. And I think we were successful and to, you know, putting it in the new cycle and keeping it relevant for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the whole thing happened. She, I was, I was on vacation and she calls me. She was like, Oh, I'm running with the bulls. Tomorrow. I was like, what? I was like, no, 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 I can't do that. And I was like, don't, don't. And then she calls me. She's like, oh, I saved the guy or something. Yeah, I, I saved a guy's life up. or something, something, something like that. Um, why do you oh, think the? Dude. Why do you think that Leela wasn't named to uh, Premier Smith's cabinet? It, it, it's a, it's a uh, cabinet that a lot of people have said could use more women. She's an experienced cabinet minister. Is there something to this that the, the, the public would would get a quick answer on? Um, you know, there's the the always also um, proverbial. She needs to win a nomination in her own writing. Um, and they're making it extremely difficult for her to, you know, win that right now. Uh, but, you know, Leela was extremely strong on certain views, um, you know, about immigration and about, uh, you know, the APP. And it really, really feels like it, it probably got one under the premier's skin um, for a while. But at the end of the day, um, you know, Leela is not in favor of the Alberta Sovereignty Act, and she won't bend on that. Uh. And of course, I won't bend on that one. So I strongly believe that it might not be the right fit on personality-wise, and you know, probably her stance on the Alberta Sovereignty Act. Okay. Um, do you uh, do, do you have insight into the? I mean, well, of course you have insight. I'm asking if you're willing to share it. Uh, into, of course you have insight uh, in, into what's going on in Chester Strathmore. There, for for people that are, you know, and people right now are saying Livingston McLeod is the riding to watch now. The whole like is it Roger Reed thing that's happening there? Obviously, people are paying attention to Brooks Medicine Hat, right? Danielle Smith's got to win that if she wants her seat in the legislature. Barry Morishita, leader of the Alberta Party, former mayor of Brooks, former president of the AUMA, is is running against her along with uh, I feel like such an asshole when I'm, I'm along with an NDP candidate, but like, you know, I, I don't mean it. that I don't mean it that way. I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying off the top of my head, it's, it's Barry Morishita versus Daniel Smith in that writing. And, and my NDP friends will hate me for saying that, but that's how I perceive it. We'll see where the numbers shake out. Um, hey, do you think that the NDP and the Alberta party should get out of each other's ways in certain writings? Do you think, or do yeah. you think, or, or, or is that sort of like a Pollyanna type view of politics? Well, if we want to get out of the two-party system, we have to, you know. If I would have been the NDP, I would have not ran a candidate in Brooks Medicine Hat and give a chance to Barry Morishita to win. Yeah, I you just know. think that, I mean, they're, they're uh, you know, it, it's cutthroat. Gwendolyn Dirk is the NDP candidate's yeah. name there. Uh, and they've already had a, a debate, the three of them. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll be keeping a keen eye on that riding. But, uh, yeah, there are the Chesmer Strathmore is another one. Leela here's riding that's that's it's is, is it is it accurate from your perspective to call it a hostile takeover? What's happening there? Oh, 100 percent. Can you tell us about uh, it? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, they called. I believe, sorry, because my kind of my memory of all the events is uh, the timeline is a little broke because I had knee surgery like a week before that. So I was kind of little, it was a little hazy, but uh, you know, when we got there, there were people uh, waiting for Leela. 
I would sign. They were calling her uh, liberal Elon. They, they were heckling everybody. Um, you know, the, the Chantal de Yange camp was extremely, extremely well organized. And uh, sometimes you have to ask, you, you know, sometimes we were door knocking in Leila's writing and they were like, well, Chantal de Yange already door knocked my door. Um, so we're like, okay. Um, you know, we didn't, yeah, there was a lot of problems accessing the list. And then the membership uh, date kind of moved to vote for the board. And then we got in there. And um, I remember walking into the room where the boxes and all that, where the UCP staffers were. And I walked in and I on my crutches. And, you know, I'm just wobbling around. And they're like, oh, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I'm Sarah Biggs. And they were like, yeah, but what are you doing here? I was like, well, I'm here to support my candidate. But, you know, I've seen, um, um, you know, members of some communities leaving because they were getting yelled at. Um, the same heckler that was there at Leela's um, board meeting um, called me a bitch on the election night because I asked her, I asked him to move away because we we're doing some media. Um, you know, uh, what was happening in the room, I've never seen that in my career. To bring 450 people to vote in for a board, when usually maybe you're going to get 50 to 60 Yeah, I was going to say, four, that's unprecedented. It was wild, Ryan, wild. And, um, you know, uh, there was one of the Nila supporter, she was getting yelled at. She was wearing a hijab. She got yelled at. Um, I saw that with my own eyes, and I was like, "So, what do you think, Sarah? What's the root of it? Like in 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 your in your impression, what's the root of it? Is it is it that Leela went too progressive with her politics, basically? No, I think part of it is Leela is paying for the, you know, the the COVID decisions that were taken over the past two and a half years uh, by the government and the mismanagement. And, you know, a lot of uh, on and off decisions that sometimes were questionable at best. And um, I think that I'm going to sound like a jerk right now, but two years of pandemic and Facebook did not mix well. And a lot of people, um, they have found a, um, you know, a, a candidate that was anti-abortion, anti-restriction, anti-COVID. Um, you know, and really, really was angry, um, managed to, we, we got out organized because we did not have the time to get organized for that AGM board because they announced it. And then three weeks later, that happened, uh, two weeks later, the, the hacking happened. And then the Saturday after it was the, um, it was the AGM and they, you know, they were, the other side was working on that for well over 18 months. It's it's three people. Sapri and I yesterday, Sapri Devetti in our in our uh, other our national podcast projects. Yeah. Uh, seriously, people can check it out. Seriouslypod.com. We talk about this, like the politics of anger, the strategy of, in Sapria's words, being a dick and uh, and and just sort of how she sees politics evolving that way, where it's almost I mean, the context in that one was the attack on on. Paul Pelosi on Nancy Pelosi's husband, this octogenarian attacked at two in the morning in a home invasion, attacked with a hammer, sent to a hospital with a skull fracture. I mean, just horrific. Um, but the rumors and the and the the, the you know, I hate to say, the so-called fake news that spread around after that. And then, 
you know, you've got a, a former president's son, you know, Donald Trump Jr., you know, tweeting out his Halloween costume, you know, Paul Pelosi with a, a pair of tidy whities and a hammer. And, and we're just sitting there going like this guy's like currently hospitalized, right, with a skull fracture and the, and, and the son in, in ICU. Yeah. And like I wouldn't I, I don't know if I would think like, you know, Chelsea Clinton or the or the Bush girls or the Obama girls or, or like I, I, I just don't see. And, 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 and again, you'll notice I picked a Republican and a Democrat presidential family, but like I just don't see them be acting like that. Um, there's there's like a new style of politics. And I see that it drives. I mean, you look at the Emergencies Act inquiry that's on right now. You look at who's showing up like yesterday as as uh, Pat King is testifying. And, you just, and, I, and I'm just sort of like it's like to use Supriya's words, like being a dick uh, is the new campaigning. And it it's works. Look, you know, Ryan, for over a year now, I've been saying that we need to be mindful and careful because populism is taking over. It's not conservatism anymore. It's becoming the new conservatives have more populist tendencies. And it is taking a very dangerous turn. Like the anger farming is real. They have full Facebook groups of just spreading misinformation, vaccine misinformation, incredible rumors that are just like out of this world. And then, you know, one day I, I tried to sneak on, on one of those Facebook groups and they were like, oh, we, we don't take, uh, I'm a, uh, what was I, I'm a communist oh. or a fascist. Yeah, I yeah, they call me, I mean, it was like, we don't take to, we, we don't talk to communists here in this I thought group. it might have oh, been because you were a Francophone. <laughs> they could pick it. I don't know that because I changed my name. Oh, Biggs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, Sarah, we, we can't help but notice that. Uh, that Leela announced that she would not seek re-election for the UCP. And I know a lot of people would be very intrigued to see her run for the Alberta party, for the NDP. That would be a huge coup for the NDP in Chestermere Strathmore. What do you think is going to happen? Right now, Leela's just enjoying being back being in the MLA and doing your constituency work. I know, but I asked you what you think is going to happen. We'll see. I don't know yet. My crystal ball's broken. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, right now uh, I try to leave Lila as much space as possible so she can heal. 100%. Because it was, it was a hard campaign, right? Like, it was brutal, knuckle-dragging. Uh, the things I have seen, I cannot... Un I cannot unsee, you know, when we got hacked and all that. Um, you know, uh, the conversation's probably going to be happening after January. Um, you know, the the statement was written in a way to leave the door open. Um, I, I would say that Lila's probably just sitting back right now and enjoying just being the Emily for Chestermere Stratmore. And we'll see what's going to happen. We'll see how the political climate will change. And we'll see if Miss Smith will even survive. You don't you think know? you think there's a chance that the premier doesn't make it to the to the election? Well, we'll see, because, you know, one of the board member um, stated yesterday in Globe and Mail article from Carrie Tate that, you know, uh, she's been elected to the board and, you know, uh, it's to keep Daniel Smith accountable. And they, they want to make sure that she does what they want her to do. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, but because we're uh, the ACS is going to be coming up, huge reform on 
uh, healthcare. I'm hearing noise about uh, paramedics. They're going to be decentralized. I'm hearing noise about uh, Alberta sheriffs and how, you know, how they want to, how the province wants to go ahead with the Alberta provincial police. There's going to be a lot happening between November 29th and December 22nd. And then after that, we're going to be able to see which direction everybody's going to be taking. But um, at this point, she's just waiting to see what, you know, Bill 1's going to be and what it's going to look like. All right. That's Sarah Biggs, uh, senior campaign strategist and campaign manager. Kind of a big deal for the Leela here leadership campaign. She's a partner at Olson Biggs Public Affairs. We always appreciate your availability, Sarah. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Yeah, you got it. You as well. Uh, live chat is is humming today. Uh, I love this from Jess, who says, uh, you know, I'm kind of split on, on the whole uh, Brooks Medicine Hat thing. You know, should the NDP, you know, not run a candidate, give the Alberta party a fighting chance to get a leader, to get its leader, to get some representation in the Alberta legislature? If you're a hardcore NDP supporter, <laughs> you're going to be going, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about to let another party have a chance to get it? What are you talking about? This is politics. This is war. We're trying to get as many seats as we can to win government. What are you talking about? And of course, if you're an Alberta Party supporter, you think it's a great idea that the NDP should get out of the way. But ultimately, this is a by-election that will determine whether or not. And Barry Morishita is a personal friend. I love Barry. We go for beers. Like, Barry's a friend, okay? This is whether or not Danielle Smith will win a seat in the legislature. With respect to Barry, the story of this by-election is not whether or not Barry Morishita will win a seat in the Alberta legislature. It's the, the potential outcome here is can you imagine if the premier lost the by-election that she chose, remember she's not running in Calgary Elbow, She's not running in Calgary Elbow that does not have representation after former minister Doug Schweitzer resigned. You remember, he didn't say, I'm not seeking re-election and stay on like Leela as an MLA. He's, he's gone. He's got a new job in the private sector. I actually thought he'd get a bit of a, this is not a swipe at Doug. I thought he, well, I guess it is, but I don't mean it in a mean way. I thought, he, I thought he'd get a better, he got this, I can't remember exactly what his appointment is, what his new job is, but I was like, you were a government minister. Hmm. Step away, it, sort of, it was sort of like not quite, was it Denton's or something? I got to remember. I got to remember, look back, but he, you got some job, but, but it's like, it's fine. We'll see what, I think Doug Schweitzer's got other things in store. We, we got to get him on the show. I've been corresponding with him. We'll get him on the show. But Calgary Elbow does not have an MLA right now. So can you imagine? Daniel Smith says, no, I'm going to run in Brooks Medicine Hat. She says, and she was on the show. I asked her about it. You can check out. I think it was October 3rd was the day that she was on, October 3rd or 4th, our mm-hmm. first show in our new studio. Check it out online, YouTube, podcast, wherever you get it. I asked her about this specifically, and she kind of gives her rationale explaining why she doesn't run in Calgary Elbow. And you can probably see I'm a little bit cynical about it. Now, if Barry Morishita beats her, wow, the Alberta party's got representation again back in the Alberta legislature. And that's big because then Barry can start, you know, reporters in the rotunda, the legislature will start asking him questions and he'll have a bit more prominence and he can remind people about their platform. Because right now, again, with respect to my friends that are big believers and big supporters and work so hard at the Alberta party, it's just not gaining traction. The Janet Brown poll we're talking about today shows the Alberta party at like 3%. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of tied, not quite. They're a little bit ahead of, but they're basically tied with the Western Independence Party. And you're going to go, who? And I'll say, exactly. 
But back to Jess's comment, she says, Barry deserves it. But not running a candidate, like if the NDP were not trying a candidate in Brooks Medicine Hat, Jess says that can leave a really sour taste in people's mouths. And Jess is absolutely right on that. So I get it. Tracy says Leela could have become an independent and been just fine, but she chose to fight for the leadership of the UCP. Tracy, honestly, independents never win. Jody Wilson-Raybould won. Who else has won as an independent? Someone will come up with one in an example. I'm trying to think. Brent Rathgaber, remember the popular MP out of St. Albert? Kind of stood defiantly against party leader Stephen Harper. They were banished to the back bench, actually booted, and then, and then ran as an independent and lost, like, like big-time lost to his former staffer, Michael Cooper, who's now the MP in that riding. Everybody's like, Rathgaber's going to win. No. And then, like, it was not a tight. I don't mean, like, Brent's a great guy, too. I don't know why I'm being, I'm trying to be, right now, I'm like, I'm friend, I like this guy. This guy's nice. I'm trying to, like, just sort of drop these little, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to be, you know, a jerk. But, I mean, the facts are the facts. He got beat up in that election badly. So, I don't know about the whole independent thing. Mark Doran, who's a, a fierce and passionate defender of, reclamation, environmental responsibility in the province of Alberta. I love knowing that Mark is uh, watching the show. He says the Alberta party has failed to set out a clear platform. And I think that's fair too. Last time Barry was on the show, remember? I, I, I begged for it. And we'll get him back on. Of course, Barry's going to come back on. But I was like, tell And he was like, well, we want to hear from the people. We want to hear from the and I was like, nah, man. Like, and I'm not a party leader. So I, I'm only a talk show host. But I don't think people want to hear, like people want to know that politicians are listening to them or at least they want to feel like politicians are listening to them. They rarely actually are. But people also want a political party leader to, to, to say, like, here's what we're all about. Do you like it or not? It's like I drive my wife, Carrie, nuts. She's like, what do you want to do for dinner? I'm like, I don't know, babe. What do you want to do? I want to have what you want. I want to do what you want to do. She's like, will you make a decision for once in your life? Are you the decisive or indecisive one in the house? I'm the same. Whatever you want. Whatever you want, baby. We're going to be talking to an award-winning, remarkable uh, inventor and innovator. He's left Ukraine. He's now studying in Alberta. In just one second, I'm going to introduce you to Igor. He's just won a, an incredible prize, a $100,000 prize to assist in this work he's doing with drones. I can't wait to meet this guy. These conversations are presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. Of course, tomorrow they're going to bring us trash talk. That's a tradition every Friday here on the show. You go to talk at ryanjesperson.com. That's the email address to send us a note on just, quite frankly, whatever's pissing you off. And uh, if it's entertaining, and if it's not six pages, you'll probably hear it read on the show. It's presented by Local Environmental Services. They believe that communities deserve better. That includes better service, prices, and more support for local causes. If you're a business owner, maybe you're running a hotel, a small strip mall. Maybe you're running the biggest mall in the world. You know, local has that contract. Yeah, they do. You can go to localenvironmental.ca and find out how they can fight for your business, request a quote, and see how they will do better for you and your business. The same deal with Apex Automation. I love these guys. You go to apexautomation.ca. They are all about corporate culture, giving people back their time. Go to the careers link at apexautomation.ca and you can check out the opening, the job openings. Right now, a marketing administrator. How cool is that? You can also just send them your resume, your CV. If you are a professional engineer in Canada, you're intrigued by automation, engineering, fabrication. What does the next phase of industry look like? You want to light a fire under yourself and really see what you can achieve? Reach your true potential? 
with that PNG, go to apexautomation.ca today. At Friesen Brothers, just past that 15% off first of the month promotion, but they've always got stuff happening. You can check out their weekly flyer, their family essentials flyer, and their healthy savings flyer. Three different resources, great ones at that at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N. Of course, they've also got great promotions, including their healthy insight events, an evening of wine, the best charcuterie in town, and expert advice on how you can live a healthier life. Get the most for your own future. That's at Friesen.com. Alberta grown, Alberta owned. And our family owned friends at Eden Landscaping, that's Mike and his family. They've been doing this for more than two decades, bringing outdoor spaces to life. You might think that a successful landscape entrepreneur would just kick his feet up in the winter months. Uh Uh-uh, I know this guy. He's working on pulling property reports. He's working on landscape designs. He's ordering those tough to get and oftentimes delayed arrival construction materials so that you're ready to hit the ground running in spring with your beautiful new project. What's that going to be? Have you thought about it? Maybe a fitted stone feature? Maybe a water feature? Maybe that dream outdoor kitchen? Eden Landscaping can do it. You can check out their portfolio today. Make contact with their team at landscapeedmonton.ca. Well, just months ago, Igor Klimenko was taking shelter in Ukraine's countryside, hearing the explosion of bombs overhead. And today, the 17-year-old innovator is at the University of Alberta studying computing science at Augustana campus in Camrose. Uh, This remarkable young man has just earned the $100,000 Chegg.org Global Student Prize which is going to help him refine a drone project that he started in high school. It's a prototype that can detect landmines. What a remarkable young man. Joining us on this morning's edition of Real Talk, Igor, welcome to the show, and thank you so much. Congratulations on this award. You've got to be thrilled. Oh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure for me to speak to you today. Can you help me with the pronunciation of your last name? I want to make sure that I nail it. Oh, my name is... Igor Klimenko. Klimenko, perfect. Yes. What brought you to Canada, Igor? Can you tell us? Obviously, uh, you, your fellow Ukrainians, have have faced a a, a remarkable assault by the Russians and have stood steadfast uh, in a manner that has captured the attention of the entire world. This is obviously a very personal story for you. So after the February 24th, we moved with my family to the countryside of Kyiv because we in the morning we heard missiles, we heard explosions. And as that we understood that we need to shelter in the basement because it is too dangerous to be in buildings, to be in buildings in Kyiv. So after that, we moved to the Vasilky city near to Kyiv and I was sheltering with eight people in the basement. So it was really hard for us because we heard a lot of sounds of planes, missiles, rockets, we heard explosions. Also, it was a big problem for me because I was nervous about my friends. I was teaching for two years and a few of my students were in occupied cities. So it was extremely hard for me and for my people, for my friends, just to be in this environment because each day could be the last day because we heard explosions when I was, when we were waking up, when we were going to sleep, when we were just eating, working in the day. So it was extremely hard for us just to focus even concentrate on continuing working, continuing thinking, like, like moving ahead, studying and that. Had you been intrigued by drone technology uh, or were you involved in in researching or developing drone-related projects 
before the war started? Yes, so the idea to find solution for the mining problem came to me in 2014 when I heard from my parents from news that Russians attacked Ukraine. So when we started Ukraine, we had uh, missi- like missiles, we had military fights. As I realized that I need to create something by myself because I want to help my people, but I was only nine. So that's why I thought that I can create something by my mind. I can create some innovations, some devices which can help people. And after that, in 2020, I was interested in drones and I thought, well, what about using drones for the mining the territories? And since that time, I started actively working on this project, the drone for detecting the land miners. So you were nine years old when you started working on this. Uh, now, I mean, eight years later, uh, you've recently, I mean, you, just last month, you you win this prize. Uh, I want to I be clear to people, this is a big deal, this Chegg.org Global Student Prize. Uh, people can read about it at globalteacherprize.org. Uh, it is presented to an exceptional student who is making a real impact on learning, on the lives of their peers, and on society beyond. Uh, what will this win and the infusion of, of $100,000, U.S. dollars, by the way, what will that allow you to do with regards to further developing this project? Can you explain it to us? So I'm extremely grateful to the Czech and Valky Foundation who created this prize. So after winning this prize, I received a lot of opportunities. First of them were my participation in the Clinton Global Initiative Conference meeting when I, where I spoke in front of the leaders of educational fields. Also, I met President Clinton. We spoke with him about my project, about Ukraine. And after that, I met a lot of new, a lot of new people who wanted to help me in my project, who wanted to help Ukraine. Also... Uh, now I have this part of money and I want to spend most of them to the developing of this project because I think that my mission in life is to finish developing of the drone protecting the land miners and to start creating new drone for the mining territory to avoid using human factor at all. That's why I think that this fantastic opportunity for me to develop this device faster and provide my people in Ukraine after that people around the world to save hundreds or even thousands of human lives. How are you settling in to life in Canada? I mean, obviously, people are going to be focusing on your work and your research. Uh, my understanding is that you're also juggling uh, part-time coursework at a polytechnic institute in Ukraine. So you're studying via two post-secondary institutions right now. Uh, you're developing this drone project. You're also a young man who just fled his home country uh, under threat of war or, or under threat of, I mean, the, the war is happening. You know exactly what I'm saying. I mean, uh, you, you know your, your, your fellow countrymen and women, your friends. I would imagine you have family members still in Ukraine. Uh, and here you are in a new country. Uh, I mean, your, your English is remarkable, but you're settling into a new culture and et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot going on for you. How are you doing? Oh, to be honest, I think that... I'm studying two universities and moved to Canada also, continue working my device because I have this motivation, motivation to help my people, motivation to save human lives because I received a lot of phone calls. I spoke with a lot of military when I was in Ukraine and they were asking me, wow, when we can get your device? Because I know we know a lot of people who are fighting in, we know a lot of people who are working with the landminers and they need your device. And that is my motivation. That is why I'm studying in two universities, moved to, to the Canada to work on this device, to create it faster. Also, it is much easier for me to study in Canada because there are a lot of people who want to help, a lot of kind people, and I'm grateful to all of them. I'm grateful to the people from the University of Alberta to, for providing this scholarship for studying. 
And uh, also, it's an interesting fact that in Alberta there is a big Ukrainian community, so there are a lot of people from Ukraine, and so it's much easier to find friends, much easier to find people who are also interested in working together, just in communication. How's the Ukrainian food in Alberta? Does it stack up? Oh, it's fantastic. No. <laughs> <laughs> Great to hear. Everybody here, all my Ukrainian friends are very proud of, I'll, I'll butcher the pronunciation, but the pereche, the, the, the pierogies, everybody's very proud of those and the nachinka and everything else that comes with it. Uh, the people on the podcast should know that your face just exploded into a smile as you, as you answered that question. Can you explain to us in layperson's terms how the drone operates and, and how it will it change the game and obviously keep uh, the men and women that are that are uh, not only working to detect landmines, but to remove them, how it will improve their safety. My understanding is it employs metal detectors and, and spray paint. Is that right? Yes. So we're using drones for detecting, for scanning the territory. The drone is flying up and going around the trajectory, which is programmed inside the drone. After that, when the drone implemented with a metal detector or georadars is detecting the landmine, it is transmitting the signal to the user. And after that, the signal is calculated by the program created by myself. And the output is the exact coordinates of the landminers. And also creating the mock-up map, which is, can be put on the satellite photo to provide meal through with the exact coordinates of the landminers and with the map with all of them. So we have already created two prototypes. And now we are working on the third one with the programmers, entrepreneurs, businessmen from Ukraine, from Europe, from Canada. So we want to add new functions. We want to use artificial intelligence to give not only coordinates and mock-up map, but also to provide the exact type of the landmine and to say how we can safe remove it because there are very dangerous landmine loca landminers located in Ukraine. So you need to know which type of landmine is located in exact place. Also want to spray, spray paint to give not only virtual coordinates, but also to show military on the ground where the landmine is located. Mm. Do you dream uh, one day, or let me say, do you intend on returning to Ukraine? You know, do, do you see your professional life, your adult life unfolding in Ukraine? Yes, so uh, I think that I will return to Ukraine after the studying in University of Alberta because there is my big family, there are a lot of my friends, there is a lot of my relatives, my parents, my sister, and just a lot of people who I know who I want to help and to just... So that's why I want to come back to Ukraine mm. with this device to provide my people and to just meet my family. Remarkable. Your parents, your sister are still in Ukraine right now? Yes, they're still in the countryside of Kiev. They're still sheltering in the basement. Recent <laughs> events, there were a lot of missiles, there were a lot of rockets. So I'm also nervous about them. I'm just calling them each day to ask if everything is okay so because they're still in the countryside of Kiev. Igor, you're still 17, correct? 17 years old? Yes. You, do you have friends of yours in, enlisting and enrolling in the army? Do you have friends that are that are currently in combat right now? Yes, I know a lot of people in the army. Even my supervisor, with whom I worked before for two, three years on this device, he's also he's in the military. And we are also trying to contact with each other because he's fighting in each day. Hmm. So he takes a break in, in fighting uh, to, to, to preserve Ukraine's independence, to check in with you, uh, to take a look at your project to ensure you can develop the technology to help in the fight for Ukraine's independence. How crazy is that? Yeah. That's absolutely amazing. How would you describe the, the, the mindset or the mentality of your personal friends and the people that you know that are fighting uh, right now? Like I said, the world has marveled at the spirit of the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian military in particular, which largely is made up by, at this point, of civilians who are enrolling, who are enlisting. 
uh, who are sticking around on purpose. I mean, remember Zelensky? I don't have to tell you this. He says, I don't need a ride out of here. I need ammunition. And that quote of his kind of stuck with everybody. How would you characterize what you're hearing and seeing from your friends? Oh, so Zelensky inspired all of us. He just motivated us because he was not scared. He stayed in Ukraine and fighted for my people, fighted for Ukraine. And as that, I know a lot of people, almost just all of the men in Ukraine, they were trying to go to the military. One day, even at the beginning, there were no people to bring food to the Vasilki because it's countryside, because all the men came to the military. All the men were fighting in, and it motivated me, inspired also. So after just a short week, probably sheltering in the basement, I realized that also I shouldn't stop. I should go ahead, should continue working on this device. And I started calling military, started finding partners in Ukraine and Europe, people who are interested to help. So I was also inspired just by most of Ukrainians because all of them try to fight for my country, fight mm. for our country, for Ukraine. Uh, it's uh, I'm not sure if you saw there's there's an independent uh, investigative journalist, a freelancer by the name of Justin Ling. Uh, he's been on this show before and he did a story for the CBC for the National. I think it was about two weeks ago. Uh, people should find it and check it out. Uh, Igor, I'm not sure if you if you saw it, but but he does uh, a really deep dive and the, and the storytelling he does is amazing. And the visuals are amazing. But he talks about how drones have absolutely changed the game with warfare, in particular in this conflict, and how Ukraine in particular has been very effective in using drone technology to fight the Russians. And what's really interesting about it is that a lot of these, I mean, these aren't like drones developed by the, you know, in Israel or by the U.S. military or, you know, developed by Ukrainian researchers or, or, you know, I mean, sort of like military strategists for specific applications in war. These are like drones from Walmart and drones from Visions and people from like Kentucky and Saskatchewan mailing just regular drones over to Ukraine and they're attaching bombs to them and they're attaching all kinds of, 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 of wild artillery applications and using like $80 or $200 or $500 drones to blow up Russian tanks. And uh, it's just been fascinating to see. I mean, it's just a whole new age. I would imagine that you've been paying close attention to that trend. Yes, I think that drones is future because everything can be done by drones it can be like post delivering it can be um, just taking part in the world also i know a lot of people from Kharkiv, from cities which are also occupied i know a lot of programmers from the cities i work with them on this on my project and they're also working on developing improving the drones with these devices to deliver bombs to like uh, create the maps to find information about the russians to find information about the attacks so I think the drones is future. Just Igor, how can people support you and your work? Oh, so I already received a lot of support from people from different countries. They are just writing to me asking, how can we help? Can we just help in programming part or can we just help in engineering part? So now I'm trying to find partners to work together on developing of this device to just create it faster, to implement it faster in real life. To do provide you, my people and people around the world. Do you have a website or, or do you have do you have a contact that you'd like us to put out there? Because I guarantee I'm already seeing the comments coming in. I know that there are people uh, that are going to want to support you. Now, we'll be happy, of course, to pass along emails to you and things like that. But is there a website you'd like us to share? 
Oh, unfortunately, I don't have a website, but I have LinkedIn. Okay. My name is Igor Klimenko, so I can just contact. People can find you on LinkedIn. Yes. Okay, Igor Klimenko, K-L-Y-M-E-N-K-O. Yes. Already a legend at just 17 years of age. It feels like an honor uh, to talk to you. Um, and uh, how cool uh, to see you doing this incredibly important work, uh, literally life-saving work. You're going to save lives with the work that you're doing uh, and with your whole future ahead of you. Uh, this prize uh, that you've just taken, obviously a huge honor, but I suspect that that's just the beginning. Igor, uh, if you have a chance, go back and watch this interview on YouTube and just read the comments of what people are saying about you. There's too many, but you really made an impression on a lot of people. Thanks for doing this interview. Thank you very much for this meeting. It was fantastic to speak to you today. Wow. Thank you. You got it. (sighs) You kidding me? (sighs) Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. This guy, 17 years of age. But you make, I don't know if the word is insignificant, but it's so humbling. Right? You have, like, this is the third kid in a month under the age of 18. Yeah. Creating, inventing technology to help people. Right? You know? Not even done or just finishing high school. Yeah. I mean, these come oftentimes as a result of uh, the Leading Edge, our features on Tuesday presented yeah. by Leading Edge Physiotherapy. We focus on innovation. So that gives us a chance to see. There was, there was this young gal. Uh, Carrie made fun of me the other day, by the way, for using the word gal. She's like, gal. She's like, what are you, like 80? No, we got we to like, we keep refining the vocabulary. But don't we though? say guys and gals? <sighs> anyway, this young human. Uh, who, who remember she wanted to make computer technology accessible for amputees and so she, she, yeah. did, the, she did the foot controlled that computer one was mouse. incredible and then you had the, the the young she was eight years old when she first came up with the kangaroo cop that one was for her because <laughs> her, years old her grandpa had park has parkinson's and yeah. was spilling his drink all over the place and so she developed this so-called kangaroo cup it's now sold tens of thousands of units mm-hmm. uh, i think she's now like 16 or something like that and now igor and now igor who's Igor doesn't like have an idea that maybe one day could potentially kind of sort of be applied somewhere like this guy is fast tracking his invention so he can get it into the hands of people that are trying to remove landmines so that people like like his parents his sister like he just told us are still sheltering currently in a basement his friends are in the army so humbling and it just makes you you know not to use it like that but it just makes you feel grateful so great. But at the same time, I don't know if insignificant is the word, but like. No, I know what you're saying, though. The things we're doing here, you know, don't they don't they pale in comparison. Yeah. I appreciate these- this uh, comment from Luke, who says, I'm, I'm really appreciative of Igor's work and of this podcast for reminding us that the war in Ukraine is ongoing, even if we don't see it in the news every night like we used to. Yeah, I feel like the, the cycle has kind of buried it a bit. Like now we're, you know, we're talking about Elon Musk. We're talking about here in Alberta. We're talking about Danielle Smith. We're talking, you know what yeah. I mean? And people forget like it's still going on. This is our battle every day, right? Because like, what about people in Pakistan or like, is anyone going to pay or attention? Iran. There's so Iran, many things like, going on right, right now that I feel are like never, never, at never the mind. bottom of the trending. The list. Horn of Africa, never mind everywhere else that yeah. has things going on that are like stories that demand our global attention. I think it's fair to say, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way, but like the average human only has a certain amount of bandwidth. Attention span, yeah. You know, I've got a, a good friend by the name of Jennifer. She's been a wonderful friend of this show and a supporter of this show. She said to me a while ago, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this on the show. She said, I haven't watched Real Talk in forever. She's like, I just don't have the emotional bandwidth. 
I, and I, I, I looked at her in the eyes, and I care about her very much. And I said, I know exactly what you mean. Mine has gone up, I think, just from this show. Like I said, that's why I keep recalling all these kids, and I'm thinking, my God, when I was like 15, 16, I was skateboarding and hanging out, setting off fireworks behind the Seven Eleven. Yeah, and these kids are like, yeah, they are wise beyond beyond their years. Igor, especially, like. 17 learned english like said, moved to another country feel, by himself i feel like i just interviewed the, the ukrainian ambassador to canada <laughs> like he's I, you know I, 17 i can't even imagine what it would take to do that at that age but that's what makes me you know hopeful for the future i feel like kids are just the youth they're so much farther ahead in every way emotionally hmm. mentally physically than we were so hmm. hopefully when i'm you know old and sitting there on the couch i can just let these kids you're save the planet you're, you're you know contempl- what i mean you're a contemplative guy and i love <laughs> I that am, but you know, it's, it's also why on the flip side it's also why it's really important to us that we do shows like we did yesterday mm-hmm. uh if you didn't catch our show yesterday it was a totally different vibe and i don't know about you but i had a jump in my step i had kind of like this interesting energy uh going through me yesterday following mm-hmm. our sit down with filmmaker trevor anderson and and his co-writer fish Grakowski on their new film before i changed my mind which opens the rainbow visions film festival tonight yeah. at the metro cinema at the garno in our hometown of edmonton you can check it out online uh, just google it uh, i think it's rainbowvisions.ca or something like that but uh, uh or you can check the show notes from yesterday but but we had a different feel to the show yesterday we didn't talk about war and we didn't talk about politics and we didn't talk we just sat down with filmmakers and, and talked about the kind of the ethos of that creative process and why they pursued a film and how they pursued and wrote a film mm-hmm. uh, where the star of the film uh, does not disclose nor have their gender disclosed through the film. It's not some sort of a mystery to figure out if it's a boy or a girl. Yeah, It's not that simple. Trevor told us that if that was what the film became, that it would have been a failure. But we just had like a real casual, free-flowing conversation Mm-hmm. You know, people that typically see the wide shots are camera shots. If you watch the show on YouTube, you know, I'm typically surrounded by notes. No notes no, for yesterday. It was great. Coffees. And we just talked, but I think that it's, it's also we want this show to be a home for that, too. Yeah. Not all the time. We know that there is issues that demand to be addressed. We know that this audience has expectations because you're Canada's most engaged talk audience without a doubt. I've got to see the film, too. I love how he put into layman's terms what's going on. And I love how it's set in the 80s. Yeah. And how he added that perspective of, you know, everyone thinks all these these changes around gender and whatever are happening now. And, you know, those people on the far right will say, oh, you know, these are ideas that are being placed in people's heads now. Sure. And I love how he said, you know, this has been happening throughout time. You know what he, he They what just he didn't said, have language didn't for have it the in language the Language for it. I was just they just didn't out. have the correct pipelines and information. But people have always felt this way. Yeah. People have always been exploring you know, their selves, their truth, their everything. So I got to watch the film tonight, actually. I didn't have time. You, yeah, before I changed my mind. Made, you, you went like an animal and, and stayed up. You watched it, what, like I, two well, in the morning or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't the gonna, whole thing. Yeah, well, you know, we get, life happens to people, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way in hell. I would never do that. I wouldn't do this to the audience. I wouldn't do it to the filmmaker. Of course. I wouldn't do it to you. I'm not going to interview somebody for an hour about a film that I have not watched. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, you know, life happens. And so I'm doing all this stuff. And all of a sudden I was like the night before the interview, like it's midnight. I'm like, I got to press play on this thing. (laughs) (laughs) But it was special. I love that. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, real talkers, but I like my my best thinking happens 
well, unless I'm like three bottles of wine, you know, in with my friends. But uh, but uh, kids, typically, kids don't take don't, that advice. Uh, don't take that advice, kids. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I love when the world is quiet. I've always been this way through high school, university. When the world is quiet, one one thirty, two two thirty in the morning. That's when I love to write. It's when I, that's when I love to think and plot and plan. Uh, just a, just a suggestion for all of you: do I'm not do way. not send your corporate or professional emails yeah. at two in the morning. All save my, them for all six. my best ideas. Everything they at come at two like, in the morning. Yeah, I know you're always one thirty. Always slacking me like one thirty in the morning. I got an idea. Or you're like, you why did you shut it down? Why did you charge the company credit card at three a.m.? I'm like, I, <laughs> I was saw on this Amazon. thing. I, I have to build it. <laughs> so we waited this long to talk about Elon Musk. Uh, I'm glad we should always keep him at the end of the show. Yeah, or relaxed. not at all. But it is relevant. If you want to hear our, our real takes on Elon, download uh, Seriously, seriouslypod.com, Seriously with Sapri and Ryan. Uh, you can find it anywhere you get your podcast. Yesterday, we spent a lot of the Wednesday. It's a weekly show, half hour show. I'm so proud of it. Um, you can get our take on Elon through that. But he's, he's now picked a fight. No, actually, well, did he? No, okay, that's not fair. Did AOC pick a fight with him? I feel like... Uh, so I've been looking at this and like sometimes you read a tweet wrong and I thought like I th- I think maybe she got owned by Elon here. With the, uh, okay, okay. Let, let's show what uh, let, let's show what we're talking about. So AOC Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, obviously you know her. She's a she's a uh, you know a, a pretty prominent Democrat to put it the, the very least. Her story is remarkable too. Wasn't she was like a restaurant server or something like that? And, yeah. and and she just like rose to. She keeps it real. And uh, you either I hate to put it this way because I'm not trying to perpetuate this trend in politics, but you kind of either love her or hate her, right? Like she's got her haters. She typically owns her haters. Like you know, she picks and chooses her battles, and typically you know wins the fights that she takes on anyway uh she tweets yesterday lmao laughing my ass off at a billionaire earnestly trying to sell people on the idea that free speech is actually an eight dollar a month subscription plan and then elon replies your feedback is appreciated now pay eight dollars <laughs> that's thought, not the owning Late, no, thought, later he put up this so then he puts this up the hmm yeah. emoji and a, a screen grab from AOC's website. I think it's like, what is it? Shopaoc.com or something it is. like I'm on that. It right now. You know, where she's, are you buying a, a sweatshirt? No, I'm just looking because, so he basically draws attention to the fact that her sweatshirts, the AOC gender neutral fit sweatshirt, purple one, is $58. $58. But here's the thing. You pay eight bucks for Twitter. I mean, so what? But I don't get what his thing about hmm is. He like fifty eight dollars? Like he thinks like this is like a big thing, waste of money. Fifty eight dollars, but the fifty eight dollars too much. He, I think he just you know. But anyways, I'm looking on her site, and the fifty eight dollars goes to a number of different things. Uh, It goes to some charities. It goes to the uh, AOC for Congress fund. It goes to uh, another thing for tax the rich. So plus, she she, pointed out that her her workers. She says my staff are are union staff. The sweatshirts are made in the United States. Plus, you have to pay for blah blah blah. The actual sweatshirt. So I'm sure all those funds get split a number of different ways. Whereas eight bucks just going into Elon's bank. Account. Well, and people are pay- yeah. people are, are pointing out as well this morning that Tesla hoodies are seventy eight dollars. They're more than AOC's hoodies. Tesla's are like uh, can we? Grand. Here's like, what I'm going to say. On. But but no, just their hoodies. I'm saying if you want to if you want to compare apples and apples, yeah. sweatshirts to sweatshirts. Uh, his are twenty dollars more. But who gives a flying fuck about how much sweatshirts cost? We're it's not, not even the point. Yeah. This is what they call a red herring. Let's not get caught up on the sweatshirts. We're just bringing you up to speed on what they're talking about and what they're fighting about. Uh, but the fact of the matter is here that this conversation continues on whether or not there should be a pay to play type element to Twitter. And that's a story that we're going to keep an eye on because that is relevant. Well, you've seen like so now Twitter Blue, which is they're merging Twitter Blue 
with being verified, right? So can you kind of like in, in I you, went into it because I'm like, does this mean you pay eight dollars and you're immediately verified? It doesn't. You still have to go through the process. But if you want that blue check mark, you've got to be on Twitter blue. So basically, if you're someone who is verified currently in 30 to 60 days or whatever he put the limit on, I think it's 60 days. Yeah. He's trying to push it quick as he can with the board and whoever he's working with at Twitter, which I mean he can fire and hire whoever he wants. But basically you won't have the check mark unless you pay the eight bucks. Okay. So your check mark, Ryan. My check mark. I'm waiting which, to see what's gonna to happen earn. here. Which like, took a while to I earn. know you don't want to pay the eight bucks. I already did. Out of, uh, well I I just kinda think here's here's two things. Like I don't know whether or not to pay the eight bucks. I mean whatever. Like uh, you pay for Apple TV, you pay for Netflix, you pay for Amazon, like you're, you're paying for all these things. I sometimes feel I need to just go back through my credit card and just be like, what am, What are all these like eight bucks here, six bucks there, 11 bucks here coming out? There's probably 200 bucks a month coming out of people's credit cards you don't even pay attention to anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pay for our news. We're proud to do it. We subscribe to almost 10 different platforms mm-hmm. uh, because people support us. Uh, we appreciate, for example, our Patreon supporters. By the way. Shout out Edmonton Journal. Placed an order. <laughs> yeah, well, the journal. The Globe and Mail, we pay, uh, Alberta Views. We pay for a lot of newspapers that are not. We pay for, lo- for Substack. We pay for, of course, we're proud pay, to. We're proud to. And form. I encourage people, you have to support um, journalism and you have to support independent outlets because they're the ones fighting like hell. You hear them on here all the time. Justin Ling, we just talked about. What about Brandy Morin? She's on our editorial board. The work that she does. Brandy told us after winning the Edward R. Murrow Award in New York City, the RTDNA Award, it's one of the highest, most esteemed honors in journalism. She told us she had to go to international outlets small you know well, you might heard like the new york times we subscribe to the times we subscribe to the washington post i don't know why i'm doing this laundry list but i want to give people i want to be, be like us we subscribe to mclean's support journalists mm-hmm. efforts but brandy told us she, there was no appetite there wasn't an appetite in canada when she was getting her start for indigenous storytelling in, and that's an indictment of the entire industry well now it's being done differently and independents are here and you can support independence mm-hmm. i wanted to give the quick plug i did place an order yesterday we got a special apple air no not that well yes yes that that's different but for our patreon supporters we got something special coming for them nice you can support us seven bucks a month or so uh, by ryanjesperson.com. You go to the Patreon account. There's all kinds of benefits for you there. So basically, Twitter blue, though, like getting back to it just for a second, the $8, I look, there's not much to it other than you get to keep your check mark. You get to edit your messages within 30 minutes. That's, yeah, who cares that's about a big that? one I mean, if you make well, a spelling well, mistake. Whatever. And the third one, which is like insignificant, is you get to change the color of your icons <laughs> on your phone. So okay. eight bucks. But another thing, I like this comment here. Uh, I'd pay 58 bucks for a sweatshirt, Kimberly says. Uh, somebody else here said, uh, when is the last time? Yeah, Kimberly, again, when when is it the last time you bought a sweatshirt? They're not cheap. She, Kimberly's 100% Sweatshirts correct. Sweatshirts branded no. are like 50 bucks starting. 50? Yeah. They're, they're 100. Yeah. So like, 58 I, like, bucks I'll, American is we, really not that much. We just went to a football game at the local football stadium. <laughs> I can tell you for a fact, because I paid for it out of my money, that the CFL's Edmonton Elks are selling kids' hoodies for $80. So, And I'm not going to put you on the spot as the Elks' official DJ. You don't have to answer for the franchise, and I don't want to get you in hot water. $80 for a kid's hoodie. Are you kidding me? So... It's not just the Elks. Let's go to any Oilers games. Oilers games are probably 100. Any major sports team in any city are like two hundred fifty dollars. It's ridiculous. I'm not picking on the Elks because you know what they cost to make is nowhere near four (laughs) dollars. But you look at our merch. We have uh, RyanJustin.com. You go to our merch page. Look at how all these subtle little plugs throughout. But you know what? We have lost leaders on our merch page. 
We have we have we have things on our merch page. I'll tell you right now, our snapback caps. We make zero dollars on the snapbacks. We just want to get them out there. Mm-hmm. That's what they cost. And people write in and say like forty bucks for a cap, like thirty two bucks for a toque. Are you nuts? That's like our cost. And we say shipping's free. Obviously, it's baked into the cost. Mm-hmm. Like like that's just what things cost mm-hmm. uh, because we don't have them manufactured overseas. We have them manufactured by Canadian companies. We deal with Canadian retailers. It's important to us to shop and support local. 100%. We think that should go both ways, but it's expensive. I don't think that, and, and again, we're spending too much time talking about this. And I'm not propping up AOC. But like $58 but I'm saying, for a hoodie. Who, what bucks, is that? Who cares? Some of that's going to make it. The rest is going to charity and to her campaign. So you know what you're paying for. The eight bucks to Elon they're already making millions from advertising. Yeah, so that eight Twitter, bucks, he's just shuffling into an account. Yeah, but himself. also, like, he's a billionaire. He's an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, how do these people get rich? They get rich by doing things like this. And, and like, you don't have to pay the eight bucks. I don't know. I did a, it's not my idea. I stole it from somebody in the US. I, I wish I could recall her name. She's like a law professor or something like that. She says, I just screen grabbed my blue check mark and she's going to make that her banner. And so I did the same thing. So if I lose my blue check, I'll just put my blue check mark on my banner. I don't care. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see when he does this, who, who actually pays to keep it. Cause you'll know immediately. Yeah. You'll know immediately. I'm glad the people that are on Twitter like are like, people who people have are been- like, what are you guys even talking about right now? The blue check mark is essentially it's it's a verified stamp. And so the blue check mark is essentially saying this account is who this account says it is. Do you know how it came about? No. Kanye West. Come on. I'm telling you, he was the one who lit the fire back in 2012 because people were making Kanye West accounts and saying ridiculous things. And he started with a megaphone on all his other platforms being like, I'm not on Twitter. These people are saying ridiculous things. Sometimes, you know, racist or damning. <laughs> Kanye things. is saying they were ridiculous. Well, it, I was gonna say, I was gonna get to how it's totally flipped one eighty. But back then, he was a lot calmer. He didn't say crazy, outlandish things, and he was like, "These these people aren't me." And then other people started stepping up and saying, "We need a we need a verification process to show that real accounts are real accounts." And so they came out with the with the check mark. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, all, we'll have to have this debate whether or not I think that the uh, and, and don't worry, real talkers we will spare you from this. This doesn't have to be a public debate. John and I can talk about it as we do our budget every month, whether we can fit in the eight bucks to keep the blue check mark. Um, well, you're saying you're I not going to do it, though. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not on the record yet. I have to decide. I have to decide. But I will say this. It would uh, it will inform my decision that you cannot buy a blue check mark for eight dollars a month. If anybody could just buy a blue check mark for eight dollars a month, then who cares? I want to stress that that's not what they're going to do. Right. It's not like you pay eight bucks, you get a check mark. You still have to go through the verif- you've okay. done the verification process. You know what it entails. Is it kind of pathetic? Does it make you a little bit pathetic if you pay to keep it? Does it? I, a little bit? I'm asking. A I don't know because I don't have one. But, you know. Yeah, I've got like eleven thousand people following me. I don't feel like I need it because, like, what it was it gonna do for me? Yeah, the people are following me, following me, because you know they yeah. want to, and I don't think they're gonna. More people are gonna follow because I have a check mark, or less because I don't. Yeah. So I think it matters more. I think it's more relevant. Like the president of the United States should sure. have a check mark, or like the CEO it, of a company. Is Biden gonna have to pay eight bucks? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it seems ridiculous. Can you imagine if seems Elon? Ridiculous. Ki- I, I can see Elon kicking Biden off Twitter. You didn't pay the eight bucks. Bring Donald back. Get Joe out of there. Get Grandpa <laughs> Joe out of there. Oh, did you the, see the SNL skit about him getting too old? Yes. Oh my gosh, he's gonna be eighty-one the next 81. election. Eighty-one, and they're like, who? It was like a Halloween uh, SNL special for people who don't know, where they were like the horror of having to choose someone else. Like, oh man, uh, yeah. 
Can an 81-year-old win a, win a general election in the United States? I don't think so. I don't know. I mean... I mean, another when, one, but like Biden... I, well, and that's when the, it's Kamala Harris. Like, that's that's when, obviously, the, the, the running mate, the vice president, the candidate for vice president in that context would, would be... Like, I hate to talk like this, but it's very relevant and very important because you're like, uh, newsflash, people don't live forever. Mm-hmm. And in a four-year cycle... You know, if the, if the most powerful person on planet Earth, if the commander in chief is 85, he's fallen off his bike and stuff. And you see that video where he fell off his bike? No. Oh my God. You know? Was he wearing a helmet? <sighs> yes. But you'll feel some things when you watch the video. Oh, you'll be like, boy. I don't I don't know if this, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, like Donald, was Donald Trump going to be the young buck at like 78 or whatever he's going to be the I, next election? Or is it going to be Trump? Is it going to be DeSantis? Is it going to be... All right. Why like don't we the wrap? parallel between him and Trudeau, N- nothing politically, but just like Trudeau's young. Well, same with Paul. Physically yeah. fit. Same with Jagmeet Sound Singh, mind. Right? And then you've got Biden who seemed of sound mind. But now and I'm not picking on Biden, but has well, no, we're stating has, facts. Flub- has flubbered and yeah. Yeah. shown his age. Right. Like that 60 minutes interview he did where, <laughs> where, where they're like, are you of sound mind? And he was like, I'm, 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 I'm sound mind. What? He couldn't erode like, it any oh better. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> These conversations are presented by our sponsors, who stand by the premise steadfast. That these conversations need to happen. News, politics, and pop culture. That includes the family-owned Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Big fans of this crew at the Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road locations. John's personal recommendation. Can I say the Dairy-Free Dilly Bars? You're standing by that this week? Remember when you bought me a box for my birthday? And they were gone in 30 (laughs) seconds. My personal recommendation today is, I mean, yeah, they got the Fall Blizzard collection out there, all that jazz, but like, you know, one of the most underrated things in the Dairy Queen freezer is the Treatsa pizza. They've got the Blizzard cake. They've got their classic Dairy Queen cakes. They've got the Blizzards. They've got the signature stack burgers, but the Treatsa pizza, not only is it fun to say, but it will blow the minds of anybody who you put it in front of. I guarantee it. You can pick yours up today at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. And don't forget that cinnamon roll center blizzard out there as well for a limited time. Make sure you check that out. And tomorrow, we also want to let you know we've got the Real Talk Roundtable coming up. Of course, featuring the top 40 under 40, three of them as named by Edify Magazine. We're going to find out what makes them tick. I guarantee you'll find inspiration from these three stories. It is presented by our great friends at Urban Timber. Urban Timber Reclaimed Wood Company has a brand new showroom. It's their 2.0 showroom, and they invite you to come see them. Put your hands on these tables. Like, you've got to sit at these tables to get a sense of how incredible they actually are. Get up close and personal. See the designs. Imagine what they could do to your space. Take a look at ours. This is white oak with epoxy. I am in love with this table. We had a vision. We told that vision to Urban Timber, and then they elevated it like you wouldn't believe. Now, they said by the end of October, if you got your order in, they could guarantee delivery of your table by Christmas. I'm going to suggest that they could maybe still make that happen, even though we're a few days into November. You can reach out to them today at urbantimber.ca. And of course, as the snow falls, more and more people are going to be thinking about safety on the road. It's a perfect time to browse the inventory at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. Hey, whether it's a Jeep that you're looking for, that Grand Cherokee, of course, the best-selling SUV in North American history, or maybe you need something 
a little bigger. Maybe with that towing power and that little extra room in the bed, maybe the Ram 1500 might be a nice fit for your family. I have been loving the Longhorn Edition. That's what I've been driving. My neighbor Chad just got the Red Edition, a beautiful Ram 1500 in front of his house. He picked his up at St. Albert Dodge. You can do the same by following the links on our website under the Sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com. So as mentioned, tomorrow we're going to meet three of Edmonton's top 40 under 40. doesn't matter where you live. I guarantee that you'll be inspired by these, can we say young people, John? They're not over the hill yet. They're young people by definition. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to that presented by our friends at Edify Magazine. Plus, of course, per the plan every Friday, Sapria Devetti joins me. In the meantime, check out our work together at seriouslypod.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you tomorrow. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.